Welcome to The Gradebook, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and today we start off our podcast with an interview with Jeff Moquin, Chief of Staff for the Broward County School Board. We're going to be talking with him about the school district's decision to sue the legislature over House Bill 7069. So I, I was interested in talking with you about the lawsuit that the board decided to pursue today regarding House Bill 7069. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about where that idea came from and and how the decision arose? Yeah, I, I can. I know that, um, you know, there were some general concerns uh, regarding the, the legislation and many of the um, board attorneys from across the state um, had uh, a couple of conference calls over the last few weeks to discuss the constitutionality of the of the legislation, and on the basis of those discussions, um, there was a belief that there were several opportunities to challenge the constitutionality of it. And so, uh, it was first mentioned to our board at our board meeting last Tuesday, and um, there appeared to be consensus. That we would, they, there was a desire to participate with some other school districts in challenging the constitutionality of the bill. And today's meeting was more um, was more um, technic, technicality to provide the actual authorization for us to to actually participate. In, in such litigation. So there hasn't been a suit actually filed yet. It was just the agreement at this point. Correct. Right. There was authorization to move forward and and for the superintendent and the general counsel to work with other school districts in collaboration to move forward and and file something. Now, the constitutionality issues, from what I read, basically boiled down to single subject and also the, the school board members' constitutional authority to govern the schools and tax for the schools. Am I understanding that correct? Yeah. There were, there were basically um, three areas. The first one dealt with the structure, like you said, around single subject. Um, there were a couple of other areas that dealt with the erosion of local control. Um, and then finally, the sharing of the discretionary capital millage with charter schools. Do you know how much money the school district would have to share in that capital millage sharing program? Our initial estimates right now are anywhere over a five-year period of between 87 and $123 million. And it would depend on the, the future position of the legislature with regard to the PICO funds that they allocate because um, that impacts the formula is impacted by the allocation of PICO funds. So our, our financial chief financial officer and staff have estimated it to be anywhere between $87 million and $123 million over the next five years. And how would that play out in terms of what the district would have done with that amount of money? 
Well, you know, one of the things that got discussed today is how the district's use of capital dollars towards their capital plan has to be based on need. And our capital program is a long-term plan on identifying capital and maintenance needs of the district and how we would allocate um, public monies to deal with those needs. And so one of the concerns was the fact that the current House bill, the, the allocation isn't based on any kind of need. It's simply based on your student enrollment um, and getting a pro rata share. And so how it would impact us is if you look at we every year we, we do a five-year capital plan. And obviously, we'd be talking about the loss of $87 million worth of resources over the next five years. And that could impact things from, um, you know, additional facility renovations. It could be uh, technology purchases, school bus refreshing. Um, those are those large equipment and, and building um, deferred maintenance issues. It would clearly have an impact on that. Okay, and now when you're looking at that entire package of things, does that include just um, new needs or is it a long-standing list? Well, we've done a uh, a couple years ago, before we did a bond program, we did a needs assessment that identified the fact that the district had over $2 billion worth of needs. So our our identified needs far exist the, the available resources currently. And so the the potential of having to share that capital millage with charter schools further erodes our ability to address needs that exist today. Did the board in any way discuss the fact that, as some of the supporters of the bill say, these are public school children and so they should benefit from the public school taxes? There was some discussion of that, and I think the, the, at, the at the root of this is a concern that right now um, – you know, this money, like in a traditional school, if something were to happen, it's a publicly owned asset. And the majority of our of our charter schools are not publicly owned assets. So if the charter school closed down tomorrow, the, the, the benefit, the public would not have the benefit of that investment that was made. So so you mentioned also that there were there were some other school districts that you were looking at working with. Have any of them committed yet to joining into this lawsuit? I don't believe we're at that point yet. Um, they, they, we, we may have been the first to actually get official board authorization, but there are, have been ongoing and will continue to be over the next couple of weeks ongoing conversations with several districts. Well, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for talking with me. We did speak with school board attorneys from several other school districts, and they confirmed that they were in some form of discussion over what to do with this lawsuit. They range from Pinellas County, where their state, their attorney said that they had been in active conversations and would be d- discussing it again on July 18th, to places like Hillsboro and Pasco and other area districts, which said that they were watching but hadn't really had any conversations or discussions at all and would wait to see how things progressed before moving forward. When we talked with the school board, Florida School Boards Association. Executive Director Andrea Messina, she said she had been receiving a lot of inquiries about whether a lawsuit would be moving forward ever since Governor Scott signed House Bill 7069 into law in mid-June. She said that most of the people were asking, what's everybody else doing? And now they know Broward is taking the lead. And that's not surprising considering that Broward County's Senator Gary Farmer was one of the 
lawmakers that really challenged the bill on the floor, challenged the way it was handled, made clear that he didn't like the way that it proceeded through the Senate rules, much less some of the things that it did, such as violating the single subject provisions of the Constitution as I saw it at the time. He had been in consultation with a lot of people, and they had been discussing how they were going to proceed with the lawsuit, if at all. And apparently the Broward County people who are right there in his backyard were listening most closely, and they jumped right on it. We'll have to wait and see if any other if any other school boards move ahead with it. But as Andrea Messina told me, they see their constitutional role as being usurped by the legislature. In the Constitution, they are set aside as school boards as having the sole responsibility to oversee public schools in their districts and to use tax revenue for a purpose for the schools. And they see, from their perspective, this is not happening with the result of 7069. House Speaker Richard Corcoran, the main sponsor of House Bill 7069, responded in his trademark feisty fashion, calling the threat of the lawsuit Another example of the educational bureaucracy putting the adults who administer the schools ahead of the children who attend the schools. He went on to say, not only is it clueless, it is also arguably heartless to sue, to stop school children from getting recess, disabled children from getting funding, poor children from getting out of failure factories, and teachers from getting more pay. He, of course, was referring to many of the items within the bill that were considered to be positive aspects of, of it. Representatives of the more conservative Florida Coalition of School Board members, some of whom appeared at the bill signing, also took umbrage at the lawsuit. They basically criticized the Broward County position and said that they were just trying to take money away from public school children in charter schools, which deserve just as much money as those in the traditional public schools. Seeing that it's been a holiday week in the summer when school districts close on Fridays, We're pretty surprised to have this much news. This one broke out of the blue, just like school grades broke last week for us to keep us busy and to keep us able to bring you information. I just want to point out to you that the Florida Department of Education has now published its ESSA plan for the federal guidelines on education accountability. You can find the plan on their website, fldoe.org, and you have to dig through a little bit to find it there. And then once you read through it, you can make comments on their SurveyMonkey page, which is surveymonkey.com slash R slash ESSA17, ESSA17. It's not a surprise that the state has decided to go after some waivers to the federal law. Uh, Education Commissioner Pam Stewart has made clear for several years that Florida does not agree with some of the federal rules regarding testing and students who are still learning the English language, as well as the way that they break out subgroups for purposes of determining whether a school has met or not met accountability standards. A lot of people who are skeptics will say that the state isn't really listening, that they are just collecting public input because they're required to, but still they're saying that they're going to send in their, their comments and hope for the best. A lot of people don't support this whole testing idea as it is, but it is out there. And if you want to have your voice heard at all, you can participate in the ESSA survey that the state is running through the end of July. And that is the end of our podcast for this short holiday week. If you want to participate in any of these conversations, please do so on our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook. Follow all of the breaking news as it comes forward as quickly as we can get it to you on our blog, tampabay.com slash gradebook. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and thanks again for listening.